Well, Shabbat Shalom. It's good to be back in Michigan. Maybe not enjoying the weather so much. Arizona, I was uh, there last week for a uh, Messianic Jewish Leadership Conference, and I was uh, 85, and I came back to 35. So, uh, but it is good to be back. So, as Rabbi Glenn said, uh, this week we're gonna our parasha is Vayishev, which means any settled and covers Genesis 37 through 40:23. Now, parasha Vayishev covers the beginning of the life of Joseph and shows how a cycle of sin can continue from one generation to the next. Now, chapter 37 really introduces us to Joseph, who is Jacob's favorite son. And he is given an ornate robe, a robe of many colors, as a present from his father. Now, because he was Jacob's favorite, his other brothers hated him. Despite his own childhood with Esau, Jacob repeated this sinful favoritism with his own children. Jacob had experienced this at a young age and kind of was keeping the cycle going with his own children. Now, Joseph was also blessed with supernatural dreams by the Lord. And these dreams described him ruling over the rest of his family. And so his brothers, of course, did not take kindly to these visions, which I'm sure he shared with them, maybe often. Joseph did not make liking him very easy. So this animosity unchecked, festered, and grew until one day when Joseph was sent to find his brothers in the fields. Now, as they saw Joseph approach, they decided to throw him into a well to kill him and then blame the whole matter on a wild animal. Now, Reuben was the only one not comfortable with this plan and instead tried to save Joseph. He suggests instead of killing him, they just put him in the well alive and he hoped to take Joseph back home later. The other brothers agreed with this and trapped Joseph in the well. But later as they ate, merchants came by and Judah decided to sell Joseph into slavery. He sold his own brother into slavery in Egypt. They then staged Joseph's death by dipping his robe into blood and bringing it back to their father. Now Jacob believed their scheme and mourned the supposed death of his son and stated he would continue to mourn Joseph until he died. The chapter ends with Joseph being sold to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. Now in chapter 38, the story sort of breaks here and we kind of shift gears, narratively speaking. We learn more about Joseph's older brother, Judah. Now, Judah had a firstborn son, heir from his Canaanite wife. And he dies after marrying a woman named Tamar because of his wickedness. Now, because Tamar never had a son with heir, it was the responsibility of his brother Onan to produce an heir for his brother to be a kinsman redeemer. Onan, though, did not want to fulfill this responsibility. And while he had relations with Tamar, he made sure she would not become pregnant. Because of this sin, refusing to give a child to Tamar, Onan was killed as well. The youngest son of Judah, Shelah, was not old enough to marry, and so Judah sent Tamar back to her father. Now, when Shelah became of age, Judah still did not want to give him to Tamar as a husband. 
which is what he was supposed to do. So Tamar instead snuck into the city as a prostitute and waited for Judah. Now, since her face was covered, he did not recognize her when he slept with her. He then left the seal and staff as collateral for later payment for the services she had provided. Genesis is a very real book. (laughs) Tamar then disappeared with these items without Judah knowing it was his daughter-in-law he had slept with. Months later, Tamar revealed herself as pregnant and was considered guilty of prostitution since she was not married. Judah, in his anger, demanded she be brought out and burned to death. While she was being brought out, she wrote a letter to Judah recorded in this chapter. And so we read this letter where she writes, I am pregnant by the man who owns these. See if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. It's like a daytime soap opera. (laughs) Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son Shalah. And he did not sleep with her again. The chapter ends with Tamar giving birth to twin boys, Perez and Zerah. Now, some biblical commentators argue that this story was not present in the original text, that this was a later scribal edition. Because why do we move from this whole story of Joseph to tell this whole story about Tamar? Now, a Jewish biblical scholar, not a believer, but a Jewish biblical scholar named Robert Alter brilliantly argues, however, in his book, The Art of Biblical Narrative, that this passage makes perfect sense from a narrative perspective. Thematically and clearly shown in the Hebrew, it is very fitting that Judah, who led the brothers in deceiving his father, was himself deceased by Tamar. And this expands on the character of Judah, who we've just seen sell Joseph into slavery. Now in chapter 39, the next chapter, we will see Joseph have victory over sexual temptation where Judah failed showing him as a more righteous leader. Now, as I said, chapter 39 continues the story of Joseph after being sold as a slave. In Egypt, because the Lord was with him, Joseph prospered in everything he was placed in charge of. The Lord's blessing was so great that Joseph literally ran the entire household and Potiphar trusted him with everything he owned. Time passed and Potiphar's wife attempted to seduce Joseph over several occasions. Joseph every time would deny her requests, but she refused to take no for an answer. Eventually, she accused Joseph of attempting to rape her, and Potiphar believed his wife over Joseph. For this crime of rape, Joseph was thrown in prison. But even in prison, God's blessing was with him. He was quickly put in charge of all the other prisoners, and the prison warden, like Potiphar before him, placed Joseph in charge of everything. Wherever he goes, he runs the store. Time passed for Joseph in jail, and one day the cupbearer and baker for the pharaoh of Egypt were thrown into prison for offending the pharaoh. They both had strange dreams that they were unable to understand. Joseph told them to share their dreams, and through the Lord he would offer an interpretation. Notice the type of dream interpretation here. Joseph is not doing this under his own magical power or 
mysticism. The Lord is granting him revelation through his spirit. Very different. So three days passed. Oh, excuse me. After hearing both of their dreams, he told them that the chief baker would be killed in three days and the chief cupbearer would be restored to his position. Now, Joseph asked the cupbearer to remember him once he was freed and to get him out of prison. Three days passed and the prophecy of the dreams occurred with the baker killed and the cupbearer restored. Our parasha, though, ends on a somber cliffhanger. The chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And Joseph's imprisonment continued. And that's where our parasha ends. Now, there are, you have to tune in next week for the next episode of the story of Genesis. There are many lessons to be learned from this parasha, however, but one that stands out to me is the cycle and consequences of sin. Jacob, in his childhood, experienced the consequences of favoritism with his own parents. He had to flee his home, and he severed the relationship with his brother for many years. In this parasha, we see that Jacob repeated that same sinful favoritism with his own family. He was not a strong leader and allowed the competition between his wives and children to continue unchecked. It is also not by chance that Jacob, known for his own clever schemes, is himself deceived in this parasha. And because of his son's scheme, he will mourn the supposed death of Joseph for many years. Sin issues that are dealt with in families can show up generation after generation like we see in our parasha. Cycles can continue. So we need to learn from Jacob's family and not allow the sins in our family's past to take root and grow in the next generation. There's a lot of things we can pass down to our children. Our sin issues should not be one of them. Through Messiah Yeshua, we have the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And where he is present, Scripture says there is freedom. And this is the type of freedom that is being talked about here. To break not only the cycle of sin in our own lives, but in the next generation of our families with the Lord's help. It is my prayer that each of us learns from Jacob's family the dangers of jealousy, selfishness, and unchecked desires. May each of us experience the freedom that can only be found through Messiah Yeshua. Freedom from sin's vicious grip in our lives and freedom from the entangling sins in the generations of our families as well. Thank you.